What's up, guys? Anthony here, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. One of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like with the body you've always wanted and all-day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that may be holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this with now thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebrities, and entrepreneurs is that there's always room for improvement and optimization. Whether you're already performing at a high level or you have that feeling inside your heart that you're capable of more, the single fastest way to unlock your potential is to upgrade your mind and your body. And there's no program on earth that does that faster or to a greater magnitude than our one-on-one consulting program at www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. We start with our proprietary health assessment that screens you for vitamin deficiencies like A, D, magnesium, iron, etc., high cholesterol and heart disease, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, hidden infections like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, parasites, SIBO, candida, and more that can just drain your energy in the background, especially if you don't know about them. Anxiety, depression, and cognitive disorders, autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, mold toxicity, heavy metals, environmental toxins, and other genetic risk factors like MTHFR, APOE status, your glutathione production, and many more. We even recommend the specific tests that I use with my one-on-one clients if they're relevant for you in figuring out your biological age and identifying those key areas and opportunities that can take your life to the next level. From there, we create a customized game plan along with a personalized supplement protocol to help you optimize your weight and energy at the cellular level. And for our platinum clients, we even include a personalized workshop with me in Delray Beach, Florida. Most of the year, this program's full with a waiting list, but we just had a couple spots open up and I wanted to offer them to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So if you're interested in seeing what it might look like for us to work together, head over to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G and fill out the short application form. If you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community, and I look forward to potentially going on this journey together. This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we buy shit we don't need. Ideas are grateful. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Not your fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. What's going on, biohackers? Welcome to a new episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. This one is entitled Welcome to World War III, PCR Test Fraud and Crimes Against Humanity with Dr. Reiner Fuelmich. Dr. Reiner Fuelmich was born and raised in Bremen, Germany. He studied law at the George August University in Göttingen and in Los Angeles. He worked among other things, as research assistant at the law facility of the George August University in Göttingen and received his doctorate there. Prior to founding Dr. Fuhlmich's law firm in 1993, he worked in corporate banking for Deutsche Bank in Germany and Japan. In July 2020, he and three other lawyers founded the German Investigative Corona Committee, which has since consulted numerous international experts from various disciplines to get to the bottom of the corona crisis and 
its narratives. If you guys enjoy this episode, please help us to combat censorship and get the word out. The number one thing that we can do right now is to help inform people through loving, compassionate conversations and sharing interviews like this and asking them to give it just 15 minutes. So share this episode, email it to as many of your friends and family members as you have who are open-minded and would be willing to give it a listen. Ask them to do just that. And if you haven't already, please go to wherever you listen to the Biohacking Secrets show, subscribe there, and leave us a five-star review that helps other people find the conversations that we are having and helps us all to make more informed decisions moving forward and to create a more beautiful tomorrow for humanity and the planet. Having said all of that, and without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Dr. Reiner Fuelmik. Dr. Reiner, welcome to the Biohacking Secrets Show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm hoping you can fill our listeners in on some of the things that you've been working on since uh, June, July of 2020. Well, yeah, well, um, originally, um, I, I'm an attorney. I've been practicing law for 26 years, and uh, most of the time, my colleagues and I have uh, represented uh, consumers and small and medium-sized businesses against large fraudulent corporations like uh, Deutsche Bank, VW, and the world's largest uh, shipping company um, called Kühne & Nagel. So in a way, I guess I was prepared for this because I was used to having to fight fraudulent corporations. Now, it's just, it's just a little bit different because all of a sudden we're fighting a, a whole bunch of corporations, uh, which are, tr which, which are uh, in our view, uh, have embarked on a uh, massive hostile takeover, trying to take over all the small and medium-sized businesses, uh, but first destroy them, which is what's, what's happening right now. But um, when I first heard of what was going on in Europe, I, my wife and I were still in the United States and California, and uh, I had actually planned on taking a little time out for about a half a year, uh, go back to windsurfing, um, horseback riding, all these things that I hadn't done in years because I'd been working too much. And then we got these calls from our friends and relatives telling us what was going on in Germany. And I thought, hey, this is the flu. What, what, what's happening? And um, since I didn't know what to make of it, I called my friend, Dr. Wolfgang Wodak. Um, I had known him for six or seven years because I, uh, I, I was the um, leader of a group um, in um, Transparency International, which is an anti-corruption NGO. And this group was called the uh, Justice Group. Um, a number of attorneys, um, uh, judges, prosecutors, law professors, had realized, and that's why we got together in this group, that um, the German judicial system is not capable of dealing with cases in which you're, you have to go up against large corporations because German, Germany is an export-oriented nation. Um, uh, there's a lot of very heavy lobbying going on by VW, for example, or Deutsche Bank. So they have pretty much have politicians under their control. And politicians, in turn, can, even though, of course, in theory, German judges are uh, independent, 
Um, in, in practice, they're not. Uh, politicians, by way of using the presidents of the courts, can exert pressure on the individual judges because the president of the courts of justice write personal assessments of their, not their, but the individual judge, uh, judges who work at their court. Now, they're not going to say, hey, if you, if you um, decide against uh, VW, you're not going to you're, you're going to get fired. That's not how it goes. But um, in, a, in a much more subtle way, they let them know that, remember, this is also about employment. VW is the largest employer in the in the state of Lower Saxony. Same thing goes for when you sue um, uh, v, uh, Deutsche Bank in Frankfurt, because it's it's a it's an important bank. However, it's the most fraudulent corporation that I've ever known. I used to work for them. So with this with <laughs> in Japan, um, with this in mind, when I heard about this and I spoke with Wolfgang Wodak, um, I remembered because um, he's a doctor and I remembered that he had told me a long time ago that uh, something similar to what I was seeing right now or right then had happened 12 years ago and that was the swine flu so i called him and i said wolfgang is that what you were trying to tell me back then is this the story that you were referring to and he said yeah it's it and it's the same protagonist it's the same people who uh tried to fool us back then who are trying to do it again um and in his view he said um this is probably just a flu he wasn't certain maybe it was a little bit different from the seasonal flu and that maybe this time there was more of a, of, of a of a new corona strain in it but he said there's nothing to worry about at least not thus far but he said I, he didn't know enough he was just very suspicious of the people who were driving this and then he put me in touch with other people who had other opinions um and one of them is, uh, is of course, um, John Ioannidis, uh, Michael Levitt, and I watched their videos. I called some of the German professors, Bakhti is one of them. And, um, and I realized um, something is not right here. And uh, what I couldn't understand is that the German Bundestag, which is the equivalent of your uh, Congress, uh, wasn't digging into it wasn't wasn't trying to find out what was really going on they were just listening to one voice and one voice only and that's the voice of professor uh dr drusten who is the equivalent of uh of the american uh fauci um and um so Wolfgang told me, you, you have to get in touch with some of the other lawyers in Germany, which I tried, but it turned out there were not very many people out there who were uh, willing to uh, deal with this corona issue. Everybody was pretty much in line with the government. But there was one, one woman, and her name is Viviana Fischer, and I called her and she said, there's something, we have to do something. There's something definitely wrong. And so I flew, my wife and I, we took our two dogs, we flew back to Germany. I met with Viviana Fischer, and this is what you're referring to on uh, July 10th, we uh, founded the um, Berlin Corona Investigative Committee with two other attorneys, two other attorneys whom I had uh, met uh, during my work at Transparency International. Um, one of our most important advisors is my friend, Professor uh, Martin Schwab. He's a law professor from the University of Bielefeld, one of the smartest lawyers I know. And since July 10th, we have been talking to over 100 um, scientists, 
doctors, um, uh, economists, lawyers from all over the world, including, for example, Dr. Mike Yeadon, uh, formerly of Pfizer. He was there. Uh, vice president, and he was also their um, uh, chief science officer for 16 years. Mm. Now, the questions that we wanted answers to is, one, how dangerous is this virus really? Two, um, how dangerous are the anti-corona measures? How much damage do they do? And three, how reliable is the PCR test? Turns out, as far as the danger is concerned, it's not much different from the uh, seasonal flu. Even the WHO finally agreed with uh, John Ioannidis uh, that the infection fatality rate um, is uh, not any worse than that of the flu at 0.14. I think uh, they put it in John Ioannidis at 0.26 or something, but it's about the same as the, as the common flu. Here in Germany, we have had no excess deaths. Uh, there are some spikes in New York, for example, and in Bergamo, of course, we remember these pictures. But this, as it turned out, by listening to all the people who spoke to us, uh, uh, scientists and doctors from Italy, for example, much of this has to do with medical malpractice uh, and worse. So that, that first question is in the meantime, has in the meantime been, been answered. The second question, how much damage do the anti-corona measures do? It's immeasurable. It's, uh, this is like World War III, except there is no real war. Or maybe there is a war and we, don't, we refuse to see it. Um, so many people have died, many, many more than would have died through the virus. We have a very a brand new opinion by a, a German court that details this and uh, spells it out and says uh, there's no evidence for this virus being any worse, no evidence for this virus being any worse than the common flu. Um, on the other hand, the uh, damage that uh, anti-corona measures are doing is, is so horrendous that uh, this judge comes to the conclusion that politicians have made, um, I forget the, the uh, precise quote, but I think, I think he writes um, uh, horrendous mistakes, and he comes to the conclusion that the um, anti-corona measures are not just illegal, they're unconstitutional, meaning void ab initio. So the, the next question that we turn to is, what about the PCR tests? And that focuses on, the, uh, on, the, on that person, on Professor Dr. Drusten, because he's the one who wrote the protocol, and I think he published it on uh, January 23rd, the protocol which says that he has invented a PCR test that can detect infections. The question is, is that true or is it not true? Right from the start, I was suspicious because I had seen all the videos uh, by Carrie uh, Mullis, the guy who invented the PCR test and yeah. uh, got, got a um, Nobel Prize for it. And he, over and over, he kept telling people, this test is great but it cannot tell you if anybody, uh, if, if someone is infected or even sick. It can't do that. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to know what's really going on. And we listened to a number of immunologists, epidemiologists, doctors, uh, including, for example, uh, Professor uh, Kemmerer of the University of Würzburg, which is in Bavaria, uh, Dolores Cahill. Um, uh, she's uh, from the University of uh, Dublin in Ireland. Uh, Professor Capel, he's uh, 
um, a professor emeritus from the Netherlands, and of course, Mike Eden. Now, all of them unanimously say, no way can a PCR test tell you anything about infections. And that has to do with the uh, PCR test's inability to distinguish between dead and live matter. I know I'm, this is unscientific, but this is how we're writing it in the brief so that the judges can understand it. Mm -hmm. So that means if you test positive, it is very possible that what the test sees is a fragment of a, uh, of a, a cold or the common flu that your immune system fought successfully. That may very well be. And this could have um, been years ago. It could have been months and years ago, yeah. And so it cannot tell you anything about infections. In particular, not when you, when you have a cycle threshold. This is like magnifying. What you do is you take this swab and, and whatever is on this swab whatever matter is on the swab is invisible for the human eye. So in order to make it visible, you have to put it into a machine and magnify it or amplify it is, the, is, is what they say. Now, everybody agrees that any amplification beyond 24 doesn't make much sense. Everybody agrees that amplification cycles of 35 and more give you at least 97% false positives. The Drosden test, which was recommended by his friends at the WHO uh, to the entire world, um, the Drosden test is set at 45 cycles. So that definitely means it is completely useless. The other false statement, or if you want to put it that way, the other lie he kept telling people is that there are uh, asymptomatic infections. Asymptomatic infections means people who have no symptoms may be infectious. That is unheard of because up until Corona, anybody who had no, no symptoms was healthy. And all of a sudden, this guy claims there are asymptomatic infections. Now, this is the basis for the entire panic that was needed and, and we think was uh, intentionally created in order to do what is really going on here. This is not about health, as I said, uh, but people's attention needed to be diverted so that they wouldn't notice what's really going on. Everybody's looking at corona, everybody's afraid for their, their lives, and they're not noticing that in the meantime, this massive corporate takeover is taking place by deliberately destroying the um, small and medium-sized businesses, which are then being taken over by these platforms like Amazon and others. Um, but um, the, um, uh, uh, as far as this um, asymptomatic infection is concerned, the latest study comes from Wuhan, and it was published uh, late in September, I think, of last year, and involved, it involved 400,000 people. And it turns out that there is no asymptomatic infection. It doesn't exist. And even if it did exist, even Fauci agrees that it doesn't play any role as far as infections as a whole are concerned. So what, what do we have now? We have um, two basic lies. There are asymptomatic infections, not true, and PCR tests can tell you something about infections, not true. How do you get this across? We thought that the best way to do it is go to court. Uh, take these people to court who are responsible and have a court decide can this, can this be done? Can a PCR test uh, find anything about infections? And that's what's happening here and in the United States.
Yeah. And I, I think that's fantastic. The one question that I had too, isn't another pillar that you guys are taking out the fact that this is a pandemic and therefore the state of emergency is justified or is that yeah this yeah yeah and that's actually what the uh, judge with this uh in his recent opinion the one that i was just alluding to i think it was published uh or it was issued on uh january the 11th that's precisely what he says because of all this, because there is no evidence, no clear evidence uh, for uh, a, a, a emergency, and because, on the other hand, the emergency measures are so destructive, this is, that's the conclusion that he arrives at. This is unconstitutional, void ab initio. You're absolutely right, because at the very core of this, at the very core of the German definition of what a pandemic is, um, is the uh, fact that the healthcare system is overwhelmed, is being overwhelmed, or that there's a clear risk of it being overwhelmed. And at no point in time has this been the case. I mean, there have been uh, uh, worse flus than this corona, whatever it is, in 2018, I believe. More people died then. Uh, and back then, there were pictures in the, in the, in all over the news of uh, people sitting in their hospital beds in the hospital hallways, um, uh, hospitals having emergency tents outside, just like in New York, it happens almost every year. But this time they made this into a huge scandal and they're trying to make people believe that this is totally and completely unusual and, and it's never happened before. Not true. My sister is a nurse in a large German uh, Bremen hospital. This is my hometown, Bremen. And uh, she tells me, Nothing out of the ordinary. In fact, many of the hospitals that uh, uh, that she and her colleagues work at in that town of Bremen are almost empty because they're trying to keep things, trying to keep uh, reserve beds for uh, all these uh, uh, COVID-19 uh, cases, which mm -hmm. never arrived. Unless, of course, you make doctors and this is what's happening right now. You give doctors financial incentives to declare that someone who suffers from whatever suffers actually from COVID-19. That's what's going on. People yeah. are, doctors and hospitals are offered money to do that. And before we kind of get into your strategy, can you elaborate that on uh, elaborate on that a little bit? How does that work, especially because it's happening across the world? It's also happening in the United States. What organization or organizations allegedly are the ones paying out? You know what I mean? So, so we can understand a little bit of the money trail here. Yeah, good question. It's always follow the money. Um, it's um, the most important platform for all of these players is probably the World Economic Forum, which many people believe is a governmental organization, uh, but it's not. It's a private organization. It was founded by a somewhat eerie person by the name of Klaus Schwab, uh, who is in the meantime, I think, 82 years old. Uh, Many of those, uh, and they meet once a year in Davos, in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. There are other platforms that fall into this category, but this is probably the most important one, because this is where all the self-appointed um, uh, corporate elite types and the self-appointed political elite types meet. And this is probably what's been going on over the past 20 years. And uh, this has been, this has become so... Um, close, such a close relationship that 
we haven't quite figured it out, but that there's a lot of very heavy, important influence that um, uh, the corporate types have or are now exerting over the political types. We're not sure who's, who is really in power. We know one thing, however, all those um, politicians, in particular here in Germany, Merkel, is not watching out for the best of her own people. She's, um, she's working for someone else. That is the clear impression that we have and that more and more people have. Um, because none of the, the anti-corona measures make any sense whatsoever. Unless, of course, the sense that, that uh, she wanted it to make is to have people panic so that they wouldn't notice what, what's going on here. And so this is this is where they meet once a year. But this has been happening. This has been going on for at least 20 years, probably longer. Uh, but we believe that uh, the ideas that are now being played out were invented over the last 10 years or so. Um, now, you have to keep in mind that on the other side, all these corporate types, this is not a like a monolithic wall, but it's they're also there's lots of infighting. So they're not always. Um, on the same page. Uh, what they are afraid of is us catching on to this and uh, stopping them. That's why they have to keep us under constant pressure. Um, and the other thing, and this is how I caught on to this, or Dr. Wolfgang Voda caught on to this, is in May of 2019, there was a meeting, um, a, a uh, um, conference called Global Health Something, and it was held by the uh, leading party here in Germany, the CDU's, Christian Democratic Union. Now, you would expect all the party heavies to be there, in including Angela Merkel, including our um, Secretary of Health, Jens Spahn. But some of the others kind of surprised us. One of them is uh, Drosten. Uh, the guy who runs the uh, virology department at the uh, University Hospital, Charité Hospital in Berlin. And there was the uh, there was Tedros, the guy who runs the WHO, Dr. Tedros, who many people think is a doctor of medicine, but no, he's not. He is uh, probably, if he's a doctor at all, he is because uh, Drosten is not a doctor. His um, his uh, doctoral dissertation is a fake. We found out. Uh, Tedros is a philosopher, and I think this is very recent, a couple of days or 10 days ago, an American attorney filed criminal charges against Tedros for genocide because that's what his, his own people uh, think he committed in his country, uh, Ethiopia. And there were uh, the two most powerful healthcare funds. Uh, they were also present through their chief lobbyists. One is the Wellcome Fund and the other is the Bill and Melinda Gates Trust uh, Foundation, rather. Uh, so these people met in May of 2019. Turns out that in the meantime, Drosten and those two uh, chief lobbyists of the Wellcome Trust and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are the chief advisors of uh, Angela Merkel. These very same people who met there are the ones who started the pandemic uh, a little less than a year later. So we kind of, uh, we looked at the evidence, we're lawyers, all four of us, and we've, we've come to the conclusion that this has never been about health, but it's always about this other strategy uh, that's being pushed. 
This episode of the Biohacking Secret Show is also brought to you by the Organifi Biohacker Bundle. Organifi makes the best-selling greens juice on the market, but they also make an incredible gold juice that I drink almost every night before bed, a red juice that's loaded with antioxidants and phytonutrients, and a really delicious vegan protein. So we created the Biohacker Bundle as a way for you to get all of their best-selling products the same way that I take them on a daily basis. I do the greens in the morning, I do the red in the afternoon as a little pick-me-up, I use the protein, post-workout, and I do the gold at night before bed to help wind down and decrease inflammation from the day so that I feel more cool, calm, and collected going into a deep, restful night's sleep. I love the Biohacker Bundle. It's a, It's been a game changer for me, and if you guys want to check it out, we've hooked you up with a nice discount on all of those products. To get it, you go to Organifi.com forward slash biohacks. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash biohacks now. How can our listeners who, um, how can they join, how can we join the fight? How can we help you guys? How can we empower people all around the world where this takes on a life that is bigger than just the individuals involved, you know, takes on a life of its own. Um, the best, I think the best approach to this is to spread the news. First of all, to get as much information as you can. You will not get it through the mainstream media because the people who are pushing this have invested their money, not just into the pharmaceutical and tech industry, but also into the mainstream media. That's why you're always hearing the same story, no matter which newspaper you look at, no matter what uh, news channel you watch, you're always getting the same story. You, you never hear about all these, uh, well, you do. If you, if you listen to the alternative media, one of them is, uh, you, you have lots of them in the United States. Your, your channel is one of them. There's uh, Del Bigtree, uh, ICANN. There is uh, Pam Popper uh, from Ohio. We just there had Pam Lots on. of people, yeah. Yeah, there are lots of people who are trying to tell people the truth and give them the other side of the story. This is actually how I started out working on this uh, on this case. I was going to say, um, the one of the pillars of our legal education is a Roman, an old ancient uh, Roman law uh, saying, and it's it's uh, it says. Uh, Audiatro et altera pars. It means listen to the other side. And this is something that has not happened here. Angela Merkel, for whatever reasons, maybe she's, uh, maybe she's getting paid for it. Maybe she's under pressure. I have no idea. But for, for whatever reason, she never listened to the other side. She's not willing to listen to the other side. She's willing to do anything to push this particular agenda. And Germany seems to be really important because we're being used as a role model. It seems to us that this country, um, that the rest of the world is supposed to look at this country so that they can say, they meaning um, um, uh, Angela Merkel, Klaus Schwab, uh, all the other players who are pulling Drosten's uh, strings, that they can say, look, the disciplined Germans are doing it just right. And that's why they're getting away with almost unscathed. But then look at Italy, look at what ha what's happening there. Well, Italy was a disaster, that's true. But that's not because of the coronavirus. It's because of bad mismanagement and intentional bad mismanagement. I spoke to a um, high-ranking, um, not just I, but my friend Viviana did too. We spoke to a high-ranking Italian judge by the name of Dottore um, Angelo Giorgiani. Uh, he used to be a anti-mafia um, 
prosecutor. These guys are very, very well trained. They're that's used the, to that's the type of track record we need right now. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what we're talking about. This is organized crime. I mean, I'm not kidding. This is organized crime. It is. And uh, he tells us that in the meantime, the factual headquarters of the WHO is Italy. Um, and he also tells us that the um, uh, the uh, uh, prosecutorial examinations that they've had in Italy, uh, there's so much so much stuff that's come up. One of the one of the facts that came out is that the WHO installed one of their own into a very high-ranking um, position of the of the Italian health system. And this very person, I forget his name. Um, he forged documents so that uh, this their pandemic preparedness wasn't what it should have been and could have been. Uh, one of the things that he forged is that uh, I think there's a paper which says that the last time they had their pandemic response maneuver, whatever you want to call it, their trial was in 2016. And that's not true. He forged it because the last time they did it is in 2006. Uh, the reason why there are so many dead people is because they were, in fact, unprepared. And but but this is only in Bergamo and Brescia. All of the other places in Italy, uh, they didn't have this. And in Bergamo, the situation is very special. It's the oldest population in Europe. You have many people living in nursing homes. And what they did there is um, uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, or rather of, of the at the beginning of what they call a pandemic, uh, they transferred many patients from their hospitals to nursing homes because they expected all these COVID-19 people to come in. Now, these people who were in, indeed sick, they had symptoms, uh, probably of the flu. They were taken to the nursing homes, and there, of course, they met a population this is, which is really vulnerable because most of the, most of the older people's um, immune systems are not in good shape. So what happens uh, is uh, they, uh, uh, they infected these people and many of them died. On top of this, they had been uh, vaccinated a couple of months earlier, which further weakened their immune system. So this is definitely medical malpractice. Then they decided to um, put a lot of these people who had trouble breathing on respirators. Another bad mistake. 50% of the people you put on respirators during this pandemic, same thing happened in, in New York, by the way, died. So this is all bad medical medical malpractice. Do you believe that it is intentional? I, I don't want to yes. say anything. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a history of eugenics here that needs to be acknowledged, may, perhaps not by us, but I think for the average listener that may not be familiar with eugenics or the history of, of Bill Gates Sr. and... Um, you know, you could start to understand why some of these ineffective and deadly medical malpractice approaches have potentially been utilized. Yes, I absolutely do believe this is intentional. Yes. The um, what what is the let's say um, all of this is God's plan, because I believe it is. And he is allowing these people to create the problems that then um, initiate a spark that and where we react and and provide the solution and kind of build a uh, his vision. How do you see this unfolding? What needs to happen in the courts with you and your team and uh, the, the army of of light workers behind you? You know what? 
Um, even though I'm not a religious person, I do agree with you. Um, this is God's plan. And uh, there's something that us lawyers who try to solve every problem in a very rational way, there's something that us lawyers are not familiar with, and that has to do with spirituality. Um, we're in touch with a group of lawyers in Canada, a guy by the name of Michael Swinwood. He uh, filed the first real class action for damages, which is going to become an, an international class action. And he used to work for the past 20 years, I think, he, re he represented only the natives. And, um, and there's a lot of... Uh, spirituality that comes into play of course you can't put them uh could put you can't put this in writing you can't put this into into your briefs but it has it has a decisive influence on our work so i do think that it had to come to this we had to come to this breaking point in order to make matters good in order to make us whole again, uh, to change what's been going wrong for the past 30 years, at least, maybe longer. We have to take control of our lives. We have to uh, realize that what we thought were our polit politicians are not our politicians anymore. We have, to ha we have to think about a probably brand new healthcare system, brand new uh, system of education, um, because this is one of the things that's lacking. Um, I think it was Thomas Jefferson who, when he first had the idea of introducing democracy to the American people, he was laughed at and ridiculed and, um, and his colleagues said, hey, don't even think of it. Most people are much too stupid for democracy. And he said, yeah, probably, maybe 80% are too stupid, but um, we can do something about it. We can make them fit for democracy. And all it takes, and this I, a, a German um, professor of psychology reminded us of this a couple of days ago in our last session. All it takes is for people to have moral competency, moral competency. What does that mean? Two things. You have to be able to not just accept orders, but think about these orders and ask questions. You cannot just go ahead and do as you're told. You have to think. Most people don't do this anymore. And the other, other thing is um, you have to be able to engage in, in a discussion instead of taking a gun and shooting the, the other guy who has a different opinion from your own. So that's really what it boils down to. And I think that is correct. I think it's probably not as bad as it was back then um, uh, when uh, Thomas Jefferson said this. Uh, but I do think that maybe 70, maybe maybe oh, maybe 60 percent of the people lack this. But that has to do with our uh, system of education. So the game plan, we, we, we prove that it is not a pandemic and therefore a state of emergency is not justified. We show that the PCR tests are not should should not be used for this. Even their creator said they'll produce false positives and make no sense. We show that asymptomatic is not a thing. Um, mm -hmm. It didn't just pop up for COVID. And then how do we start addressing the violations of the Nuremberg Code, these crimes against humanity, this medical malpractice that's rampant, these these tortious damages for all these businesses that have been shut down and contracts that have been violated due to these lies and and 
you know, how do we even get to, it's such a big challenge, you know what I mean? And, and I yeah. want to support you guys in any way that I can. And I'm sure our listeners do too, but I mean, we have to dissolve these NGOs. We have to take people out of power and I mean, remove them from society and make sure yeah. that they're not just replaced in some sort of conveyor belt of, 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 uh, you know, where there's a waiting line list of people ready to step in. How, how, how where do we start? How do you eat the elephant? <laughs> well, uh, the thing is, at this point, uh, we're concentrated. We're fo- all we're one hundred percent focused on stopping this. One of the tools that we have is to expose the dangers, the adverse effects of these what they call vaccinations, which are not vaccinations. They're this is genetic uh, uh, experimentation. Um, but as soon as we're as soon as we get to the point where people begin to understand there's something wrong and more and more people begin to ask questions, that's when the whole house of cards is going to uh, collapse. But what do you do then? That's what you're asking. Well, this time we do have to hold everyone both criminally and civilly responsible who is responsible. Last time during the financial crisis, nothing happened. We let them get away. We let them get away with having stolen our money, our taxpayers' money. This time, they will have to go to jail, they will have to pay, and their corporations will probably, at least some of them, will have to be dismantled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you picture um, a future, how do you see healthcare? How do you see education? How do you see you know, the, the way in which we trade goods and services, call it the financial system? What's your vision? Uh, it's that's difficult because uh, I know there have been a lot of people who have been approaching us who wanted to have who wanted right now to start with uh, having brainstorming think tanks and stuff like that in all these areas: healthcare, education. Uh, how do you uh, curb the power of of large, too big to fail corporations? Um, and I have uh, thus far not been able to think about these things. I know we have to do something, and I know we have the right people. There's lots of people, many of them, uh, we, we've heard many of them in our Corona committee. There's lots of good people. It is not the people who are in power now. They're not the ones who really know what they're doing, neither in the medical business, uh, which shouldn't really be a medical business. I mean, of course, you have to make money with uh, if you if you work in that profession, but it has become an industry, just like uh, agriculture has become an industry, and it shouldn't be an industry. Um, the uh, this uh, there's there's uh, um, there's so many things that we need experts to stick their heads together. I have some ideas, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be the one who announces these ideas. I think we should first listen to the experts, and then we shall come to a what I think a, a very positive net result uh, after, but we first have to go through some hard times. I think um, things are getting better, but um, we're we're gonna we can only we can only turn to the future when we after we stop this. That's why I can't really concentrate on how to do it better. I know I we can do it better, though. I agree, and I've I mean we're seeing 
communities and tribes of people all over the world getting together, buying land, saying, okay, we're not going to, we're going to remove as many tentacles of this control structure as we can. So we're going to have off-grid power. We're going to have spring water from our own property. We're going to be growing some of our own food and step outside of these supply systems. So guys, if you're listening, this is happening all over the world, be a part of that. And this could at least allow for the transition period between these old and, and, and falling apart systems and what we build in the future. You know, if we're, if we're more community sufficient, it allows space for that. Um, I know you're, I know you're a busy man and I want to be respectful of your time. Last couple questions. Um, because it is important and because I, I care about you and your team and the work you're doing, have you guys taken steps where, um, this, where your efforts cannot be stopped, even if attempts are made on certain people's lives? Yes. Uh, the most important thing is that we have connected, uh, the lawyers have connected uh, on an international level. We're cooperating with the lawyers from um, the latest group that joined us is from Mexico, but with the uh, Kennedy group of lawyers around CHD, Children's Health Defense, Michael Swinwood and his colleagues in Canada, um, uh, George Floyd and his colleagues in Australia. My friend Claire Deeks in New Zealand, uh, my friend um, uh, Jean-Luc Duhamel in France, um, our friend uh, Dr. Renate Holzeisen from Italy. All these people are connected. What we're doing is, this is a strategy. We're not filing individual lawsuits that don't have anything to do with each other. For example, the first lawsuit that we filed here in Germany is one that has at its core the PCR test. The first lawsuit that the uh, CHD group of lawyers filed in New York a couple of weeks ago uh, is also centering on the PCR test. Now, they're probably going to be uh, going to be the ones that get the first decision um, that says that PCR tests cannot tell you anything about infections. It's actually not the first decision, but there's another one from Portugal a couple of months ago. But um, this is the first time that... Uh, we expect a decision in our favor. This is about school closures in New York, which was based on PCR tests. And from what we hear from our colleagues, from Ray Flores, who's an excellent attorney, and the others who were there and witnessed uh, what he did in court, um, it looks as though we're going to get a decision in our favor. We can then use this decision in any other place in the world because the basic factual questions are all the same because all these lockdowns are based on the Dresden test, uh, uh, Dresden PCR test uh, lie. And, uh, and, and, and therefore, whatever we collect as far as factual evidence is concerned, is not just with just one attorney, but we always, each one of us uh, uses the very same I shouldn't say pattern, but the very same facts, regardless of where they come from. So that protects us in a way because it doesn't make any sense to kill one of us. Beautiful. Um, and do you, are you guys in need? Would it be helpful if um, additional funding, you know, are you guys asking for additional funding? Is there a way that people who believe in your cause can support and contribute to you guys as of right now? Is that something you will open up in the future? Well, um, 
the uh, Berlin Corona Investigative Committee is paying for many of the lawsuits that um, we're filing here in Germany because many of the people who are filing lawsuits, businessmen, uh, have no funds left anymore. Um, but we're a foundation, and uh, so we're we we do get we do get money from people who want to help us. And if people want to help us, well, feel free to do so because we do have a website. Uh, it is in German, I think. There's people have been working on it for a, uh, to get an English translation, but I, I think right now it's only in German. It's uh, Corona Dash Ausschuss. That's committee. That's spelled A U S S C U S S. Dot D E. Awesome. Last question. We're getting close to, uh, there's a number of businesses that are applying for second rounds of these PPP loans. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, I've, I've always sort of been a little bit weary of these types of things where those who take the shekels can end up in shackles. Uh, what are your thoughts? Is this something that should be avoided? Is it a trap? If you know what I mean, what does your intuition tell you? Well, my intuition tells me that this is only done in a very haphazard way, and it's only done so as to appease as many people as possible so that the people won't rise up, which they should do. And in some places, they are doing it. And um, here in Germany, at least, and I know from talking to my neighbors in California, same story there. Much of what was promised was either not paid out at all or uh, very little money of what was promised uh, came across. So this is only enough to keep these people and these businesses barely alive. Um, of course, you should accept this money. I mean, it's only printed money anyway. <laughs> so sooner or later, this is all going to end up in either a huge inflation or a haircut or whatever. But take it just to stay alive. But remember that it makes more sense to rise up and fight for your rights. Beautiful. Dr. Reiner, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Thank you even more for the incredible work that you and your team are doing. Um, what's the best way for us to stay uh, in touch with you, your team, and updates on this whole process? Um, we publish a newsletter every once in a while, and we're planning to have a uh, huge um, live stream event with Probably Michael Swinwood, um, our Canadian uh, colleague who uh, filed this class action. So anybody who wants to take part in this is uh, is welcome to do so. Or if you wanna if you wanna have our newsletters, which we publish every couple of weeks or so, um, just send us an email and um, and we'll send it we'll send the newsletter to you. Or stay in touch with us by email or by. Uh, I think most of us are on uh, one of these messenger uh, services, Signal, uh, WhatsApp. Many people stay away from WhatsApp because of Facebook, but mm -hmm. Signal and... Uh, Telegram. Yeah, right, Telegram. That's Fantastic. probably the best way to communicate. Well, Dr. Reiner, I've really appreciated your time and our conversation. I've enjoyed myself. Thank you so much again, and we'll be in touch. Thank you very much, and have a good day. You too. <laughs> Talk to you later. <laughs>